<laughs> All right, so questions. Do you have <laughs> questions for you, questions for other people? Oh, God. So there are so many secrets in that campaign that I really yes. uh, <laughs> had to keep that under my head. Secrets that didn't end up like manifesting. <laughs> Well, let me just say I wrote a lot of backstory for um, Archmage, Archmage Primus Arcava, and it just ended up none of it. None of it really matters. Oh, no. <laughs> I mean, that's that happens. Yeah. What were they up to? Uh, I mean, you guys had figured it out pretty well. They're they're making a power play for the Empire. Um, you know, the mages of Windhaven are. Um, you know, they've been doing a lot of the heavy lifting military, militaristically. And so it's kind of like a military coup sort of situation. Okay. Mm -hmm. So was it... Go ahead. But I don't want to figure, I don't want to say too much about that one because um, I don't know, any future campaigns I may end up running will probably have a lot to do with doing Haiti. Fair enough. Um, like her tales my next question. <laughs> what's that? Oh, that curtails my next question, which was just more details on what exactly was going on there. <laughs> <laughs> she was up. She was up to no good. She uh, uh, she killed her former boss, um, <laughs> uh, and then you know blamed it on uh, blamed it on uh, the Carthalians in order to uh, you know justify her invasion. Okay. Um, uh though um it did not go as well as she thought uh primarily due to the uh divine interference of uh calamity and um and new haven oh right <laughs> the dicks just a sea of dildos <laughs> the dildo and and so gods um have rules about when they can interfere in the mortal plane and when they can't so i mean also and i think i you know it's something we talked about in campaign one is the gods are not um, omniscient either they don't know everything that's happening you know um they're just you know you're very powerful people uh and so um and so if she knew that they're going to invade carthalia she might have done something similar there because that's her hometown uh you know but new haven was also kind of her other hometown so um uh so the loophole she found was a bunch of uh oh something that didn't come up in the campaign um is uh calamity doesn't actually have any clerics Hmm. Uh, they only have warlocks. <laughs> Interesting. So, so Brad, Brad, um, oh, Brad, I can finally talk about what happened with Brad all the way yeah. back in session one. <laughs> yes. uh, so Brad, uh, you know, got attacked by the shadowed sword bounder um, and, and um, almost okay. died. Uh, and Calamity, as she's wont to do, pretty much came to him and was like, hey, you know, I can heal you. I can bring you back to life. I can give you great powers beyond your you know, comprehension. But uh, you know, you, you know, it's going to require some service to me. So, uh, and so he pretty much on that trip, he uh, or you know, when he was recovering in the hospital, he uh, um, essentially made that deal with uh, calamity, and that's where he got his powers and his healing from. So, because uh, it, it's something I, I mean, we didn't get a chance to explore too much, but. Uh, you know, Calamity being a warlock herself, uh, uh, it's kind of perpetuated that amongst uh, her devout followers. So, That's and so also, great. I think I like I think it really worked because she's kind of like a reluctant 
God. Like, she didn't necessarily want to, like, end the world, but then she also wasn't, like, I want to save the gods because she didn't think they were doing that great of a job anyway. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. I love Mm -hmm. it. So it's Brad's little um, round the twist after we approached him with the Kinderheart in tow. Was that basically him going a little mad until Calamity was like, stop it? No, that was all Kinder. Oh, so let me tell you all about the Kinderheart now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the Kinderheart had some rules. Um, there, now, of course, um, I've never made an artifact before. Uh, I've, at least not that I can think, not that I could remember. Um, <laughs> Aside from your ring was actually the second artifact I made. Um, yeah, uh, but it didn't have sentience. No. Um, and so um, I think, I don't remember if I mentioned this on with you guys or not, but uh, the Kinderheart was actually created by Sarah, uh, Lily, and myself. Um, oh. uh, there is a single player role-playing game called Artifact. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, where you, you where you create uh, an artifact and then like you know tell its story. Um, uh, it's still RPG, and so um, I knew this was right before you guys got the quest to go get it, and I knew that I, I had this idea for um, you know because you needed to get you needed to get a way to get to the plane the plane uh, other plane of existence, but I also didn't want it to be like a one session and you guys get there. I wanted there to be some you know, stakes and stories and, and, you know, things like that. I wanted to give uh, Nithis a chance to, you know, do some astral plane shenanigans and a chance for Caitlin to play Lanith and, and stuff like that. So, um, and so I thought it'd be interesting because I had been wanting to play this game artifact for a long time that I uh, would just play it and, you know, develop and develop the artifact that way. Uh, and then Sarah just happened to be staying over that weekend and I was like, hey, do you want to do this together? And so uh, we did. And uh, yeah, it's a... Uh, I actually have the, um, I think it's, is it this journal? Yeah, so so this is, uh, this is some of our uh, storytelling that we did. So this is, this is all the backstory of, of the Kinder Heart <laughs> from this role-playing game. And basically it, it, it ended with the Kinderheart wanting, uh, wanting death and exploding a volcano to try to get it and failing. Uh, and I was like, "Well, that's that's pretty metal. Gonna definitely gonna have to have that in the uh, in the campaign." That's pretty metal. Um, and so I actually have, um, you know, I actually came up with stats for the things and powers and limitations. Um, and so. Uh, Uh, it, um, so it was also kind of a mis- misdirect. So, um, a few more things before I actually get into the Kinderheart stats, because the other thing too, is I was trying to come up with an interesting story for Gwen, uh, cause I don't know, maybe, God, I feel like, sorry, sub-conversations within sub-conversations here. Um, I, I feel like you all have gotten, you all have de- gamed with me enough that you're wary of handing me daggers to use against you. <laughs> I love giving you daggers. I know. I, I, know. Um, I just want to give you like 700 and see what sticks. Um, and so I, so I was trying to come up with a good like story idea for Gwyn that wasn't, you know, just coming back to Zori and, and, um, uh, 
and so all campaign long, I don't know how well it came through, but since Gwen's whole thing was stories, um, I thought it would be interesting if all of the kind of Gwen nemeses were people that use stories against Gwen. <laughs> so Zori was a con artist, somebody who uses stories against people. I actually researched all the official different types of cons that con artists do, and then was implementing them like, uh, like kind of one at a time into the story um, <laughs> of the different ways that like Zori would try to trick you. Um, uh, I, I'll be honest, I did not expect her to be such a lingering menace. I didn't expect her to kill any of you, um, but then, uh, you know, Brindley chased after her alone and- If uh, anyone else could have kept up with me, like, it, it Yeah, no, if like, if it literally, if anybody else had been there, I don't, you would not have died. Um, but also- I didn't think about how much faster I was in animal form than everyone yeah. else, because I'd never been um, a druid before. Yeah, and so, um, and it was a tough decision. Like, I was like- I mean, I, you had I, to, you had I, to kill her. Like, there's I, nothing else you would do. I, I didn't want to do it, but I'm like, Zori, based on who I've, who I've come up with this character as a person, would 100% do this. Yeah. Um, she killed so many other people before that. Like, why would mm -hmm. she pause for a second? Yeah, and it's the same, it's, it's why she killed you, it's why she killed Gwen. Um, she was paranoid and didn't like leaving loose ends and uh, was just a person who felt, uh, you know, she, she I, is interesting because I kind of envisioned her as kind of a, what if, what, what if, what if Gwen, but bad, <laughs> like <laughs> she went off on her, um, on her, you know, I forget the, you know, the cobalt rum springer that Sean came up with um, <laughs> and, but died along the way. Uh, and then made this deal with Micaias. And so, you know, it was, uh, you know, just kind of a, like, whereas, you know, Gwen had managed, you know, taken the teachings of uh, Chalik to heart. You know, this was somebody who felt uh, you know, betrayed by Chalik because she went on this thing and died and, and then, you know, was brought back to life by this. By probably the most, like, I don't know, like, I don't think you guys have ever hated a god as much as you all hate Micaiah, and I love it. I am here for it. I hate him too. I think he's slimy and gross. <laughs> but don't worry. Good um, job on making it like. And then oh that's going to be one of my questions: is when and how does Micaiah die? <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> uh, and honestly, you you all had such a visceral reaction to him when I introduced the that god at the end of campaign two. That I was like, oh no, I gotta. <laughs> <laughs> And then, like, oh. and then you were in like the part of the world where like I could see like his prophets and like missionaries being at. And I was like, okay, yeah. yeah. Um, so anyway, uh, like capitalism. So yeah, using these stories, um, kind of the idea of stories. And so when I came up with the Kinderheart and kind of what it did, I was like, ah, this is, um, you know, this. So basically, in our artifact campaign, like it was something, it was small, it was you know child sized, and that wasn't created specifically for Gwen, but that was just what came out of Sarah and I's mutual collaboration on this, and uh, and and yeah, and basically it had it was powerful in the in the story. It could affect other people in the story. It had like caused revolutions, and they you know basically it had been used a whole bunch. Uh, uh, once people realize what it could do. So, uh, 
So um, I came up with, as I do, as I try to do with all major villains, ideals, bonds, flaws, and an agenda. That's, those are the four things I try to define for major villainous characters. And so Kinderheart's ideal was creativity. The world is in need of new ideas and bold action. <laughs> what? Because <laughs> um, it's a storyteller. Um, uh, its bond was that it's, um, I'm immortal and have been hurt, used, and neglected for millennia. If I can't die, I want others to feel a bit of what I have felt. Uh, and its flaws is, uh, despite everything, and it, thankfully it didn't come up because I think it would have taken the scenario into a really dark uh, area, is its flaws, despite everything, I still have a soft spot for children. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, didn't come up. Uh, and the, and uh, the agenda of the Kinderheart was that it tried ending the world once, it didn't take, uh, so it's been biding its time, waiting to find someone interesting to corrupt. Simply dominating <laughs> them would be boring, uh, you know, she wants to see what she can get them to do of their own free will. So, hmm. um, and so, uh, when attuned, it doubles its wielder's performance proficiency when used to play. Uh, that was sort of the decoy power of it, um, but also they're designed to get it to play. Um, uh, it um, it has uh, hearing and dark vision uh, out to 120 feet. Uh, it can sense the presence of any sentient creature within uh, 2,000 feet. Um, oh. And it can communicate uh, telepathically uh, with any creature it can sense. Um, um, it can read the minds and memories of any creature whose mind it can detect unless their mind is protected by a mind blank, a ring of shielding, or some other telepathic shield. Uh, requires no saving throw. Um, it can cast Dominate Monster on any creature within 120 feet. DC 28. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Um, That's a very high DC. Uh, it can dominate any number of creatures nearby as long as, long as Wait, they remain what? within 120 feet. Uh, creatures that leave the radius will be dominated for eight hours before recovering their senses, unless they've heard the Kinderheart play music, in which case it becomes permanent. Is that Wisdom DC 28? Yeah. Um, and it can cast Modify Memory as a ninth level spell at will, and it can cast Dream at will. So, wow, that would do it. <laughs> um, That's so, let's so check the highest I can get is 25 for roll natural 20. And yeah. if it's a saving throw, it'd be 30. But I'd have to get natural 20. Yeah. So, and so, yeah. Um, and then, it, um, so that is kind of the stats of it. Uh, and so that's why, like, and I, I, yeah, it, it was hard to do, but I made sure to play it very, try to play it very fair. There was a few times when I thought you guys were going to discover the ruse. Um, oh my God. I, that, like, if I was thinking, I'm like, I've ne very rarely regretted choice things that I've done in my life and not following up on that and remembering that I made that statement is one of the things that I <laughs> when you were like man all this started when the kinder heart came around <laughs> uh, uh, um and so <laughs> and so like for example um like when you're uh when the guards came into uh no see manor um uh at you know as soon as they got into the room with the kinder heart the kinder heart was able to influence their minds which is why they were suddenly like oh it's Gwen. we've seen visions about Gwen." um uh, and so Brad, so this is all about Brad. So, so Brad, 
he was influenced by the Kinderheart to actually leave those scribbles because the Kinderheart was working with Keth to try to get Gwen to believe that he was the savior that needed to stab the Godheart. Uh, and the whole point of that was to get the shield off the Godheart so that Keth could uh, take it. Um, uh, I just love how Tantla and I, the entire chat, were just so mad about all of this. <laughs> and more and more people. So that guy that gave his life savings. Right. To Gwen, it wasn't Gwen. actually his life savings. He just said it was. But yeah, he was a wealthy okay. person that the Kinderheart, you know, detective in the street is having a lot of money. And so the Kinderheart's like, hey, I'll just give this money to Gwen to make him, you know, think that this stranger has been having visions about him. I'm glad, I'm glad that was a thing. Cause I was like, if I was Gwen and thinking about things I needed to wrap up my story, I'd try to find that dude and give him his life savings back. <laughs> um so anyway, so yeah, so Brad was told by the Kinderheart to, you know, do all those crazy drawings in his room and then to like go away for eight hours. Now, since you didn't play music, um, it wore off after eight hours, but by that point, you guys had already left. Huh. Did he just pop back there? Did he meet up with the uh, the caravan somewhere else? Yeah, he met back up with the caravan because you talked to them, you talked to the bartender later and he was like, oh yeah, Brad back up with them again or yeah. it was in the same area yeah like he he didn't like teleport or anything he just literally walked off and hid for eight hours <laughs> oh, Brad. um huh and so there yeah there are definitely times where i'm like oh the jig is gonna be up <laughs> and that's fine <laughs> if it had happened that way it would have happened that way so um uh and then yeah, I enjoy it, being bamboozled. So, no and then yeah, and then of course it couldn't affect any uh, people that the Kalistar, and it couldn't affect people with rings of mind shielding, um, and so yeah, there was uh, there was limits to its power, which I don't know. It was thrilling for me. I know it probably wasn't <laughs> thrilling for you guys, but being like, oh shit, they're so close. Uh, <laughs> uh, and so as a DM, there was definitely a lot of me not reminding you guys about things you had said. Uh -huh. yeah that's funny yeah <sighs> nice nicely done how, how about the um did the did the golem maker survive the invasion oh yeah he's fine darius bartrand <laughs> silver band the fourth <laughs> I mean, he's rich. He probably did. Good. He's rich. What does he fucking care? <laughs> yeah, he's how, how is what's his face doing? The uh, police officer. Cliff. Oh, <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. Cliff is. Um, you know the. I actually. I don't know if I mentioned this on mic or not before, but the. Uh, I actually had the Carthalian invasion happen on King's Day, just because I thought it might lead to a punchline in the future where. Kiff is, Cliff is just like, I really hate King's Days. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, oh my God, that's delightful. I, I love you. <laughs> that's so funny. Great. Look forward to the uh -huh. spinoff series about Cliff. <laughs> <laughs> Makes sense. Makes sense. What about Enigma? What is Enigma? Oh, how much do I want to? How much do I want to say? A lot of it's nice, fun, more fun if I leave it mysterious. But I will say that Enigma no, has. Oh, uh, now that it's all over, we want to know shit. I'll tell you some stuff. I won't tell There's you no his whole way to find it out any other way. <laughs> I won't say what Enigma's whole deal is, but I will say that he um, he is incredibly ancient. He is the mortal spirit that lives in the Shadowfell that's been around um, 
well, since before the Telvian age of gods, he's familiar with gods that existed before the Telvian epoch. Um, uh, he actually had a name that I came up with. Um, uh, I, don't, I just, just in case you tried hard to find it. Um, it is, and then give me just a second. I have to remember how to say this. Carva <laughs> uh, Karan Teliak. <laughs> that is the name, isn't yeah. it? Um, <laughs> um, yeah, and that's, you know, that's an interesting one where um, uh, it definitely was one of those things where it was just meant to be a creepy encounter. And then, you know, Mythos psychic linked with it. I'm like, oh, well, that's <laughs> hey. fun. It's so <laughs> and it's funny i have a hunch if you go back and listen like i feel like he probably gets less menacing every time <laughs> yeah yeah for sure for oh. sure uh yeah i mean you open the door the dm walks through that's <laughs> <laughs> the, the player the player takes the time to wrap a gift and hand it to you of course you're going to take it <laughs> <laughs> oh wow um um Xander in the Warforged. Oh yeah. Was he supposed to die? Was like, were is that a plan from the beginning? Like, was there supposed to be? Were you thinking there was going to be more direct with him before we got to the point where they were all refugees? Or so one of the cool things I learned from um, there's a game called Tremulous, uh, which is a really cool game. Uh, it's a role-playing game where like you as the DM do no prep work and the players, you know, the players actually fill out a survey and that determines kind of like the options for the world that you riff off of. But one of the cool innovations I really like from it is it has this idea of the villains have an agenda. And as the players are role-playing through it, you know, you're stepping through their agenda and things are happening, whether the players are there or not. Um, and so for like storylines like the Imperial Invasion, for Xander. Um, obviously, I try to stay flexible. You don't want to plan too many things far out because that's a waste of time as a DM because the players will trash everything. Uh, <laughs> they are like rock stars in a hotel room when it comes to your plans. They just <laughs> will come in and trash the place and leave without thinking about it. Um, and so... Um, I much like much like um, Kinderheart. Um, I actually, you know, did uh, ideal bond flaw agenda for Xander as well, uh, and some a little bit of backstory and about his his deal uh, and and um, what he's doing. Um, and then uh, it's one of those things where, uh, like. I had some ideas of what he's trying to do. I had some ideas of what he's willing to do to, to achieve them. Um, and then a lot of it is kind of based off of how much you all interacted with them. Like what, you know, you know, the Imperial plot is like, this is something that could be a big part of the campaign or it could not be a big part of the campaign. It just depends on um, how much you guys, it, you know, I, that's the thing is the DM, I come up with ideas and then use the players kind of, you're the ones that drive the car. I just lay down a network of roads. Um, and uh, so uh, did I, when I created Xander, did I have the idea that he would die like that? No. Um, but as I was thinking about the types of things he was doing, the types of things that would be happening with, uh, 
you know, the Winhavian invasion, it just sort of, it just seemed like natural for those two things to dovetail together. So um, his ideal is freedom, the chains are meant to be broken as are those who would forge them. Uh, his bond was that he was created by the hands of Inca themselves. Uh, and yet his flaw was actually that he believed he was too important to be replaced. He had a lot of self-importance. Um, and uh yeah you know he never recovered from inca leaving the mortal plane um he would never admit it but he felt abandoned and betrayed by that uh because you know your parent leaves like you know he was forged by inca's hands he had you know inca raised him for you know lack of a better you know term uh then left um and then i was trying to play him as kind of a cult of personality like he could woo you and make you feel important, but also, you know, the flip side of that is by withholding praise or affection, he can use that to control you. Uh, you know, is basically I wanted him to be like an imperfect, an imperfect leader who is trying to fight a good cause, but maybe not in the best ways possible. So, uh. so starting off, it could have been like the campaign was heavily, you know, the heart way that we went, or it would have been heavily the. Uh, Havian. Yeah, it's all it's all your decisions. Like, um, it was all. <laughs> the, what are the wildest things we threw at you this campaign? <laughs> well, number one of the bullets probably, and I don't think it was something you did intentionally, but you know, uh, Nithis flying through into that black hole with the bag of holding. Uh, <laughs> truly, wasn't expecting that. Um, and that well, and it wasn't even that I flew in it. It was that Matt was like, uh. Uh, Chris, point of order. <laughs> to be fair, yes. Uh, you 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 flew like you flew most of the way into it. The gravity was flipped in there, so you fell into it. And then Matt's like, "Hey, by the way, <laughs> <laughs> fucking nuts." <laughs> that really turned us on a corner. Um, it really did. Mm -hmm. What what kind of creature was the historian or the antiquarian? Oh, uh, she's a hag. Um, Another hag. So many hags. So many hags. Um, and in fact, I can tell you exactly which kind, too. It was a specific. Uh, I think it's the uh, a, a, a burr hag. Uh, no, no, burr hag was, sure. no, burr hag was Bryn's mom, which. In my mom. Um, give me a sec. Ah, the Annis hag. A N N I S, not the A N U S. The A honest. <laughs> anus hag, is that honest what you said? Yeah. Um, I was thinking anus, like the uh, spice, the herb. Yeah, the spice. Mm. But um, yeah, I don't know. I just like I, I always had a fondness for for kind of just weird weird creatures like that that clearly are you know doing things and operating on on levels beyond what their perception. So. Um, Matthew, I have a question for 88. <laughs> yep. Uh, so your character is very quiet this whole campaign. <laughs> and I was, I mean, it's, I was just wondering, you're like, is that like, what made you decide that? Like, I was just curious, like, what, um, I don't know, like, yeah, what, like, you, you're the first Warforged I've ever role played. And so, you know, I gave you, hopefully, I'll, I felt what you felt like was a lot of control over what you did with Oh, them. yeah curious like um like how, how like how your view of the character was at the start and then have it shifted at all throughout the campaign um i mean i feel like he's grown up quite a bit yeah um 
he's 16 years old. He mm -hmm. had a very narrow life experience prior to striking out on his own. Um, and that's why he wanted to go adventuring to see more of the world, to learn more about it and about himself and figure out where his place was in it. Um, a place that he decided for himself rather than the one that was kind of made for him when he was forged. Um, and you know, he found that in helping to shepherd the other, the Warforged, so. I still think putting them on the moon is the coolest idea ever. I know, I, right? I, I, as a DM, like I said, players hand you a nicely wrapped gift and it, it, that was, <laughs> I don't know, when you were like, oh, I'm gonna take the Warforged to the moon, I was just like, fuck yes, <laughs> exclamation point times a hundred. Like that's, <laughs> uh, it's, such a it's such a cool idea. Um, it is. Uh, and it's funny because I, I I forget who I was talking to. I think maybe oh, I think it was Doctor Chris. My my him and poor him and Tully and had to hear so much about my D and D <laughs> campaign <laughs> because they were the only people I could talk to about it. Um, what uh, were their ideas? Like, how much do you tell them? What were they thinking? Like, what was their bless their hearts? They mostly just going? listened and said, "Uh huh." Okay. <laughs> Um, uh, the Dr. Chris, I was like, oh yeah, you know, the Warforged are going to go to the moon. Um, and I'm like, but you know, it's cause it's empty and there's nothing there. And he's like, he's like, it's a fantasy world, Chris. There doesn't have to be nothing there. And I was like, that is a great point. <laughs> that um, motherfucker. <laughs> and so I, I mean, I thought about it for weeks and then I was like, you know, like I, cause I still wanted the moon to kind of be like the moon where, you know, no atmosphere mm -hmm. and stuff like that. I'm like, well, what else could survive there? I'm like, Undead could survive there. And then I was like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I, I very intentionally didn't want to bring Vathrun back during the campaign proper. Um, but I knew from session one that he was still alive and out there. I just wasn't sure where. Um, and then I was like, yeah, Melrock. Melrock would, you know, be sick of people trying to come kill his ass. And so he could move his operations to the moon. Uh, and so, of course, it makes sense that Valthrin is there trying to keep people from, you know, getting involved in that. Huh. Too funny. I already know Melrock's on the moon. If you decide to continue this campaign setting, I have had some thoughts about what the Warforged will get up to. If you Ooh. Yes, please do send them to me. Um, uh, this, I mean, my campaign world will persist. <laughs> Um, I told Chris um, that if uh, Mythos was successful in ascending, that Calamity would 100% want to have a conversation with her. <laughs> it's just, okay. Okay. So like before Calamity, it was Virtues was the only mortal that had ascended. This Calamity and Chalik, but Chalik only ascended because uh, Calamity was trying to fuck with Naristana and made him a god. Mm -hmm. Which rang <laughs> so, so which rang so true. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, well, and actually, so um, uh, actually, interestingly, um, aside from Cilia and Solari, Solari, uh, all the other um, the other six gods uh, uh, were raised from mortals. Um, oh, okay. Oh. Uh, that's something that um, uh, uh, actually Caitlin got a little more information about because she actually got some scrolls and information. Um, oh, uh, when she was in the east. She, 
Yeah, well, when she was in the in the basement, there's some things that she found uh, that she didn't share with the rest of the group. Um, but, May have uh, just been that Caitlin forgot. <laughs> well, you're, you're you're definitely playing Nithis like keeping stuff close to her chest, but like oh, there, yeah. so the letter that she got like talked about the four gods, you know, because at the time yeah. it was written, there was only four of them. <laughs> and then yeah, I remember now. Yep, I wasn't I sure if they were like. Virtues was kids or like what? Virtues was the only one in recent memory though. Virtues was the last one. Yeah, he was he was the last one. He completed the the pantheon of the eight, Um, and then of course you know uh, Flavi like outer outer god you know Flavi like out their way in. Yeah, Uh, (laughs) because it it would be weird otherwise for there to be a chaotic evil god because that was when all nine gods were tied to alignments, um, which I've Mm -hmm. moved away from. I'm murdering all of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's. Um, I'm curious. Is there so like the world's changed a lot um, in the since campaign one? Uh, it's been 780 years. Is there anything that you guys especially like about kind of the way things are now, or anything that you dislike about the way things are now? Like, what are your what changes did you like? What changes were you like? Oh no, I don't like that. <laughs> I like being a god. <laughs> <laughs> I I think it's interesting that the world is more wild. Um, I don't think that we got the chance to really explore that much because when we started out, we were like, oh shit, we can't survive that. And then we click, quickly got wrapped up in many other things than just going out and just bare knuckle mm-hmm. fighting monsters. I think that's interesting. Well, and it's and it's interesting too because it's it's more tied to um, Erstica than it is anywhere else. Mm. So uh, Erstica went through kind of a bad stretch, um, but uh, there's places like the Devalian Peninsula that's not as wild and is a little easier to traverse. Um, hmm. Okay, interesting. I I did like I did really like what happened with the gods. That. There's so much more variety and creativity possible in having a basically, you know, infinite number. And it, mm-hmm. and I think it gives, you know, it gives a good multi-layer to the story too, because there's like the God stuff going on and then there's the mundane concerns of, of really living people. So, so I thought that was a cool, that's a cool story element. And, you know, look forward to hearing more about what happens in the future. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It reminded so- me of Tomorrow Pierce's uh, In the Hand of the Goddess. There's a scene in there where the main character is like communing with the god on point and like the goddess is like the main god there. And then at one point in time you get to see like the goddess and then like the main pantheon behind her. And then beyond it, it goes like, a very very long way like so which you can't see anymore of like gods minor gods and minor mm-hmm. deities and all that sort of stuff yeah mm-hmm. um yeah that was something um you know so it's funny so the uh the nine gods uh they um i had created them in 1999 <laughs> <laughs> um, was 11 yeah i was not much uh, i was 16 uh when i so i started yeah that's when i first started building my world um and uh and i feel like yeah like their name like 
and I feel like their names are a little bit, their names and like the, the rigidity, rigidity of them are a little uh, uh, reflective of the age I was when I made them. Like, oh, here's Solari, the god of the sun. And <laughs> it's not some like JK rolling ass shit going on with that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and so, you know, I. This is my werewolf. His name's Lubin. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so. To be fair to your young your your younger self, it was a much more rigid system back then, though too. Yeah, it was. I it was it was still easy. second edition when I started this world. So, yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, so I I was actually so happy with the end of campaign one because like oh finally a chance to <laughs> in in canon have like an excuse to kind of redo how I do gods in the world. Mayday, uh, mayday, oops. Mayday, mayday, mayday. such a Oops. gift like i said the players hand you gifts and you have to accept them so uh i definitely wanted to i was to... so sure you were just walking with me at that point i was like <laughs> now i'm going for this fine yeah all right i'll tell you oh no i ended the world <laughs> yeah i just remember in that session i really wanted to make sure i wanted you to not be sure if it was real or not and so it was it was there was an almost dreamlike way of me describing it today it was intentional. Yes. yeah 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 no, um, no, definitely. <laughs> and so I actually put a hard cap on the number of major gods. There are 22. Um, I think you guys have like six. I think I think you guys have experienced like all but one of them. I think you guys have heard of at some point or another between this campaign and the last campaign. Wait, are there minor gods? And there are countless minor gods. Yeah. <laughs> really. Mm -hmm. So one of them. Um, like yeah like one of them was like cordata get god of the sharks uh and there was like a <laughs> like that you encountered in season two and one of them was like a minor god that was like all about snakes like <laughs> and so the major gods i feel like encompass bigger ideas and the minor gods are more like focused on smaller scopes in, and like have less less power <laughs> and you know and instead religions have cults mm-hmm mm -hmm. Very Pratchett, Pratchettarian, Pratchettesque. <laughs> That's interesting. Um, yeah. Um, <clears throat> uh, so uh, what about uh, you guys? Any, um, like, I, well, I'm curious, like, for your characters, like, uh, did things go the way you thought they would go? Or um, no. uh, what were your favorite, like, what were your <laughs> favorite, like, moments for your characters, like, that you enjoyed? I, my least favorite and my favorite was letting myself be arrested. Like, oh mm, uh, <laughs> I cannot tell you how surprised I was that you let that happen. I we all were too. I had I had we're gonna fight our way out of that. Like I had die. the battle map created. <laughs> I had the Dean Beyond encounter created. I had stats. I had. <laughs> but I also, still can't believe. <laughs> Also, as a DM, I was so happy in that moment because I was like, "Oh wow, that is true to her character," and yeah, it also yeah. it also led to my favorite session of the campaign, which was the trial. Uh, yeah, that's oh my god, that was so much fun. I, I think that might be my favorite episode ever. That was so good. So good. I just love how it was like you can't bring in surprise witnesses. You're like a man that's in the U U.S. Accurate. <laughs> this is this is we're playing by True. television drama rules here. <laughs> True. Uh, um, yeah, I uh, 
Yeah, Eli and Ruben actually asked about the campaign the other day uh, when I was talking to them, and I was telling them, why do you do it? And, but that, their, their guest appearance uh, still gets talked about in Reverend oh, yeah. Jones. So, so good. It was so good. Um, I might just listen to that later. <laughs> it's for fun news. Yeah, and, and, and Eli and Ruben um, are both very good role players, but also are very competitive with each other as brothers. And so mm-hmm. I was like, I yeah. know that I know yes. that they're both both just going to get just dive into this. <laughs> it was perfect that they were brothers. They were just like, there's no holds barred. They're just trying yeah. to one up each other. Oh, and only the way that like brothers could or you know, siblings yeah. could do. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was great. It was so great. <laughs> I had a lot, I, I feel like I had some issues trying to bring me my way through that campaign. <laughs> Did you know from the beginning that you were a hag? So Brindley, I knew from the beginning she was a changeling. Oh, okay. And we had kind of like, um, like nerfed some stuff and like uh, done some stuff that was a uh, homebrew for it. And then um, D&D Beyond tried, or D&D tried to do this uh, hex blood for a little bit of time. Like that's basically mm-hmm. the same thing. Um, and it came out about the same time that Brindley Prime died, which was not intended. <laughs> it was just a thing. And I'm like, and Chris and I were talking in the background of that episode. And I'm like, I don't think she should come back like they're gonna bring her back, but I don't think she should come back as she is. I think she should come back as like the changeling that she was. Oh. And Chris was like, yeah, definitely. So she came back as that. Um, and like, I don't know. So and like Matt commented on sometimes like the chaoticness of it, uh, of the Faye Brunley, um, but so, like, the thing was, so she was created as a changeling. So her purpose was she needed to be, like, as true and um, sort of invoke and do the best that she could for the memory of Brinley. So that was, like, her number one motivation. Mm-hmm. Um, and then... Um, it got to the point where, you know, it's like, okay, well, my friends don't seem to care that Brindley's dead because, and like, it's a weird sort of thing. Um, so she was like acting out in that sort of weird ass way. Um, so like, it, she was acting out like according to like an internal logic, but Chris was like, and we were like, okay, I can't share why, what she is. Like the hat told me not to. So she's acting to this internal logic. <laughs> I had, like, I was, like, after every episode, every session, I was, like, Chris, that made sense, right? And he's, like, yeah, that made sense. I'm, like, okay. <laughs> but um, this internal logic that, like, nobody else was privy to. And I'm, like, I feel like I'm being an asshole to my friends sometimes. <laughs> no, wait. So did you, Bryn actually believed that she was Brinley originally, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It wasn't until you met the hag that you realized you were a changeling. Um, I would say it wasn't until, so she came back, but she came back weird and she knew she was not friendly when she came back. Yeah. Okay. But she didn't know what she was. Okay. Yeah. And then the hag informed her of what yeah. was up with her. 
Okay. So it wasn't like you were hiding your true knowledge before that happened. No. Okay. Okay. And that's, then, that's what it felt like. That came yeah. across. Like you were no. confused. Yeah. And In then my hag um, was like, you can't say anything to your friends. I was like, all right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'll actually um, put the, um, so I don't know if any of you actually went back and listened to that episode, but if you did, uh, when I had you guys take off your microphone or your headphones, um, oh, I, cut the, I, actually, listen to it again. I actually cut that part out of the recording uh, and gave uh, only Amanda the copy that had that part intact. <laughs> uh, <laughs> nice. Uh, Justin, I was like, I don't think any of them would go back and intentionally do it, but if they go back, I don't want them to get spoiled on that with, you know, unintentionally. Yeah. So... I'll put so the, uh, it was me being like, yeah, and like I don't know. It was it was a really weird thing to do because a lot of it was Shiafra, which was Brindley's uh, fey name, which actually is just Iris for changeling, <laughs> but it's, it's it's a name. <laughs> and also, you guys did hear it once. I wasn't sure if you'd remember yeah. the hag. The hag called Brindley that the first time you saw the hag. But then you're like, what's that name? And, and then she realized you didn't know. And she just sort of passed it off as a nickname. But well, yeah, and that was another thing she struck me with. Like, that's the name she was given, but she never really felt like that individual because she had been like programmed to think she was Brindley. Mm -hmm. And then she wasn't Brindley and she knew she wasn't Brindley, but she didn't know what she was. Yeah. Well, and that's that's a cool, it was fun to watch you dance through that <laughs> and I thought I mean that's kind of the way that I was thinking that it was going for you internally is that because that's like where does a good villain come from it's inf it's an information um disparity or a motivation disparity right yeah that, that differs from from the normal so I was like I was like something else is going on but it's fun to watch <laughs> and like internally i was like balancing that so like earlier on she was definitely more leaning towards you know like a like as a phase she was chaotic neutral and she popped back up yeah um and she was leaning further towards the like good paradigm and then you know as it is with a long-term thing, people got caught up in other things. And she was really reliant. Like in my head, I had her like basically like tallying sort of like a good, um, going in a good direction versus going in a more chaotic direction. Yeah. I really enjoyed Blink Slate Brindley, uh, Bryn after she got resurrected where she would just like follow people around and repeat the things they said. And <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so like, the heaviest influence was definitely uh, Nithis. And then, like, Nithis was also, like, a little bit chaotic herself. And then it didn't help that, you know, the fable blood, at least the way that I was putting it in my head, was, like, leading her towards, like... It wasn't necessarily just trying to be chaotic. It was just that she didn't have the same boundaries in the way that she's programmed that like the mortal people would have had yeah so like it didn't mean anything to her like you know if you look at like face or fairy stories or anything like that going and stabbing um zori and bring her back to life and then going later on at some random point and stabbing her and bring her back to life like that's 
like she's alive like must have been deal <laughs> yeah yeah and and it's uh you know it's someone finding themselves too which i think is which is pretty cool because she had very little self for a while there <laughs> my yeah, and i, I don't you, think she necessarily ended up in a good place like the reason number one the reason that she ended up dying at the end was that Nithis was like no you don't have like it you don't have to do anything about Brinley anymore like it's over like you don't have to do anything it's like it's well then reason. what do I do it's my reason for being <laughs> oh my yeah, god like, okay, then, then I don't do anything <laughs> oh my god it's like okay well my friends are dying I'm mad at two of them but like I don't want them dead necessarily e- emotional oh, damage no. emotional <laughs> damage the campaign's over you asshole why would you hurt me like that um i will say one of the wildest you're asking one of my favorite wild moments you you going back and killing zori and resurrecting her uh was definitely i was not expecting that at all it was such a it was just such a, a great uh, a, a great just like oh it was shit. definitely kind of like a Promethean idea of like justice and I know I know that's like gods but kind of you know ancient gods are basically fae anyway fairies anyway they have yeah. that same chaoticness to them um, well, and, so that and, was and, kind of the idea of that well and the best part was too is like I was like oh shit that releases like the Kinderheart hold on her, like the dominate part. <laughs> so, and all we did, all we did was say some sassy stuff at each other and laugh. Like, and Chris was later on. I don't remember if he told you guys that, but he's like, if you had talked to her for like a second, you would have known the Kinderheart was doing stuff. I'm like, yeah, but I wouldn't have. <laughs> <laughs> that was another really close call. Where I was like, oh shit, this could be the jig is up. <laughs> Like, yeah, I think, no, but I hate it. <laughs> I, I love the fact that that works in two different in two different ways too, because it works as the Kinderheart loses its control over Zori, but also if you're taking it fully at face value, like like Gwen was, she redeemed. She was redeemed. Oh yeah, guys, his control died again and made a deal to come back. But she did. That's not what happened. That's not what happened. happened. No, but that's what Gwen Gwen would have assumed. Yeah. Yeah. But that's what I assumed when I saw that she was now evil again. So no, she's just evil. She's just an evil bitch, and I should have killed her a thousand times. I did. uh, (laughs) I'll be honest. Over the last week, I was I went back and forth a number of times about what to do with Zori because I wanted there to be sort of an end to that arc. and I, I briefly toyed with the idea of giving the character sheet to Amanda and having her fight you guys. <laughs> I, I would have, I, I would have fucking loved that. I would have. Oh my god, that would have made my life. I know. <laughs> um, but no I also hard. I would have gone in like full on, just like I'm gonna kill all of you. <laughs> I know, I know. That's why I was like, oh, this will be, this will be excellent. But also, it also kind of run, kind of ran counter to kind of what I wanted and I don't know like I uh, I it was one of those things where Zori like she just kind of was I mean she was a terrible like not a good person but also just kind of sad and pathetic and I just thought like 
you know, she'd been stripped of everything. And instead of like learning a lesson from that, she tried to go back in the same way she was doing things. And without having the power to, you know, do it, I think, yeah, her just getting kind of caught and hoisted by her own petard, like, uh, um, it's appropriate, certainly. <laughs> yeah. And like, and I, and so I was thinking about it and it's like, oh yeah, I did mention like way back when that Hokkaido had, you know, if they've caught somebody from Achaeus, they would, you know, put their head on a pike as an example. And it's just, yeah, it mm-hmm. seems like, a, oh, yeah. I, I just, it just felt right. Like when I thought of that, it, it felt right for like how that arc should end. Like not, like, mm-hmm. not, not every character should have like a huge <clears throat> final confrontation with. Mm-hmm. Can I, can I confess something? Yes. Yes. I gave, serious thought when when this all wrapped up if we didn't know where zori was mm-hmm. i was thinking about letting the devil out of the mirror and telling him to go oh. <laughs> that would have been great that would have been great but then the I devil would have been him. free yeah. yeah that's why i, I was debating him. it but uh i uh <laughs> don't know than the one you hate <laughs> I do say I wasn't sure what you guys were going to do with the people in the mirror, but like, so I I rolled rant. I think I was pretty uh, like pretty open about the fact that I was rolling the loot randomly for that dragon, and that mirror mm-hmm. came up. And so, obviously, like between episode sixty two and sixty three, I was like, okay, who's in the mirror? What's their stories? And it's like, <laughs> I'm just going to put this devil this devil in here, <laughs> named Fetch, and I'm going to try to make Fetch happen. <laughs> <laughs> Get out. No, <laughs> leave. Go. I was like, um, I was, I was also thinking though near the end, um, having asking Nithis to get rid of that boundary and being like, if we don't come back, uh, and this was before we pulled Burnley through the gate, like, can you pull Fetch out and like this is all my money and try to find Burnley and see what's up with that. Mm. Um, <laughs> What is but then, then I got in my head that I thought maybe Chris had made it so that Brinley was brought into the Fey Wilds, and it was actually uh, she actually somehow it became like the Winter Queen, and that was the person that I was fighting against the whole time. Oh, that would have been Brindley. a twist. Yeah, <laughs> I, and then I, I'm like, I was worried that was a thing, <laughs> and I needed to know that before anything happened <laughs> before the uh, end of the game. That was a threat, you know, so we, there's all sorts of narrative dead ends, like the Winter Queen thread, like, once again, like, it's one of those things where it's like, okay, like, it'll depend on how much, you know, like, how much you guys put into that story, and you all, none of you really seem to care too much about it, and I was like, well, the Winter Queen, like, you know, you know, she was insulin, she'd send some people to try to go get her, but she's busy and kind of weird yeah. and fey, and so she probably just forgot, uh, yeah, I, I never I actually was really I, interested in that, but it seemed like very self-serving to like go down that path for <laughs> when I was safe, you know, like we had that thing and like nothing was happening to us. Yeah. Like, well, oh, Brinley yeah. was raised in the Fay Queen Castle, right? Brinley Corther, yeah, she was. Yeah. Was she a slave? I, I kind of assumed that she was raised by the queen herself. Uh I, I I you know wasn't sure if it was the queen herself or kind of like somebody else in the court, but yeah, she she I I I knew that she was like there and had a, a very good up like had a very like comfortable life. I had something I, I figured I figured that she'd come into play at some point. And so I um 
you know, and I also knew that she couldn't you know, live on the mortal plane. So uh, those are, you know, those are things when um, we kind of talked about the baby swap story near the beginning of the campaign. I was like, okay, that's something that could come up someday. And it did. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. It was very, very good uh, changeling stuff. <laughs> awesome. Trying to um, so what? Oh, I'm sorry. You, no, go, you go, go, ahead. go ahead. What went into the creation of Lanith? <laughs> so I'm gonna sh- I'm gonna share my screen because I wanna I wanna I wanna show you guys uh, I wanna show you guys this uh, one sec. Um... Make sure your porn tabs are closed. Yeah. Right. Um, <laughs> or not. <laughs> <laughs> so I um. There. I actually wrote this uh, almost entirely on an airplane and a train when I was back in Illinois. So I wrote this entire thing for Caitlin. (laughs) I know a lot about the planes now. (laughs) (laughs) I have to say, I kept wanting to go back and spend more time with Lannis and like do all that nonsense and find out more stuff from her, but I didn't want to make Caitlin have to play two people. So yeah, Caitlin would have been really stressed out by that. <laughs> kept pushing so, that down. So basically, yeah, so um, it was it was actually, it was really exciting because it meant I got to develop some, you know, I there were some things I'd been putting off, like super developing about the planar cosmology that I kind of needed to figure out. And then um, it gave me a chance to develop Spazia a little more. And, um, and uh, yeah, and so basically, yeah, it was just, you know, I was like, okay, well, there's this planar institute there and Spazia because they're kind of obsessed with figuring out what the hell happened to them, you know, because they were out of time for a while. And, you know, it just be, yeah, it was just, it was just seemed like a nice, cool thing to do for this, you know, side adventure that was happening. So did, and there's also you, the fact that Chris intended that to take like four or five sessions and, and <laughs> we were like, yeah, mm-hmm. I, had, I had much longer arc plans for that. Uh, Lanith was supposed to stick around for a little while longer, but then Amanda's like, oh no, I just turned us all into like gaseous cars and we drive there super well, quick. Well, first I made Lance go stand us through trees so I could scry on her and see a train. <laughs> and we become familiar. <laughs> yeah. Got the worst. <laughs> And then I was just like, oh, there's my notes. <laughs> I had no, a really... I think in that thing, you actually were like, wait one second, you picked up and ripped those papers and threw them. I had a really cool um, battle plan where it was going to be um, Nithis uh, at the same time as the rest of you. Like, Nithis is going to be fighting in the Astral Sea, and you guys are going to be fighting pirates as you're you know, taking the ship to uh, Spazia. And like, I had this really cool idea for this, like, kind of like, all of you battling at the same time, but not, you know, and yeah. Just... Both on seas. <laughs> and then I ruined it. Uh, you, just, you just told a different story, and that's the that's the thing as a DM is, you know, the story is not yours to tell, necessarily. Um, uh, what about you, Matthew? Any favorite 88 moments that stood out for you? Anything, um, anything that you wanted to do with him that you weren't able to, or anything that you were excited to get to do with him? Um...
I'm going back and looking at episodes and trying to be like, okay, what happened? Oh, what happened with the, so when Sean had that um, paladin that like gave us the bad vibes. Oh, with Crane? Yeah. And oh, that guy. Oh, yeah. Was he supposed to be around longer? And then uh, we were like, oh no, people are not <laughs> liking <laughs> Uh Well, I mean, I, yeah, I mean, I thought he was going to be around a lot longer because uh, he was supposed to be Sean's main character. Um, Oh, and, for like the rest of it? Yeah, it's supposed to be his character for the rest of the campaign because Zori had the body of Gwyn. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, and so I, I I can, like, so there's, yeah. So A, you guys made a really good pitch to Zori, which I was not expecting to get Gwyn's body back. Um, uh, and so, yeah, like that worked out well. And then, yeah, I also feel like, like <laughs> the character, yeah, the character didn't quite fit, like, it was an interesting character, but like, yeah, like obviously, like the other character, the other, we all were just sort of like, dude, you're intense. <laughs> and so, um, uh, so yeah, when, when, you know, Zori, when you guys were able to buy the body off of Zori, I was like, well, sure. Like, I mean, like, let, let Gwyn be resurrected. Uh, <laughs> um, um, it's just one of those things where I, the, so one of the things I struggle with the most about D&D in particular is resurrection because uh, it does, resurrection takes away a lot of stakes, uh, you know, because if your character dies, you just come back. Um, but if you get rid of it, then it nerfs an entire like class. Like one of the big parts of being a cleric is the ability to bring people back to life. And if you take that away, then um you know, that, that's kind of shitty. It'd be like taking away, you know, fireball from a wizard. Like, <laughs> it'd be rude, yeah. Um, <clears throat> and so, I don't know. One of the things, it's something I'm working on as a DM, is, and basically, um, okay, so death isn't permanent, but how can we make, how can we make the effects of dying permanent? And so, uh, uh, so, we you know. We had a big talk about that when Brindley... Yeah, originally died. Yeah, so we and I talked with Sean about it too. Like, um, you know, uh, when uh, you know was tempted by the uh, Micaias in the afterlife for what seemed like an eternity, um, uh, and then so even though he didn't remember it necessarily when it when it came back, it you know it changed his character, right? He. Uh, you know, took away, you know, Gwyn at the beginning of the campaign was a lot more optimistic and uh, I wouldn't say naive per se, but naive. Uh, <laughs> um, and, and then afterwards, after that, he was less so. Uh, so that's the thing is, is just trying to figure out how to make, even if it's not the end for a character to make death matter. And so it's interesting as Amanda, after Bryn died last week, texted me and she's like, oh, Bryn's not coming back. <laughs> if, Bryn, <laughs> if they try to resurrect Bryn, she'll refuse. Um, and of course, what I didn't tell her, because I, I wasn't sure if she remembered. I'm sure she did. But oh, I, was like, I did remember. And I figured I'd be bad for, for like a year. And then, yeah. <laughs> that's like, why I was like, no, I'm going to be dead after this. So <laughs> have fun with that, mom. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, so we had, I knew she had the year, but I also knew that she wouldn't come back if y'all tried to resurrect her, so... Uh, sorry, yeah, Matthew, it, did you, um, you were thinking and we got talking about other stuff. Did you get a chance to? That's fine. Um, I don't know. 
I was um, sliding through these titles of episodes, and one thing that popped out at me is Ailes Brexel. And another <laughs> thing that popped up at me was my uh, fate decision to be like, what is it like to suddenly be alive and have no purpose, but think you should have a purpose? I'm going to awaken Gwen's dog yes. <laughs> and study it from a detached point of view and see what happens. Well, and then and then it gave Winchester like five higher intelligence than Gwen, which... <laughs> there was, as, as Winchester was invited back, I was like, we should take that goddamn dog to this fight. <laughs> and so I was like, okay, it'd be fun since, you know, Winchester is like more intelligent, like I mean, I, I like the idea of him kind of inverting the relationship between, you know, <laughs> and I hope you guys did too. And hopefully, you know, Sean, you didn't take it too poor. It's just like, you know, Winchester, <laughs> Winchester is in a different spot. And so, you know, he's going to use himself as the higher being now. And so. That's and, and I, this is my pet I've got the feeling that that happens to Gwen a lot. <laughs> I mean, legit. Sean, you put a collar on another cobalt in another campaign. So. <laughs> yeah, she's got you there. That's true. Yeah. You did do that. Yep, yeah. yep, yep, um, yep. Well, cobalts were different in that campaign, too. <laughs> were they? Um, were they? <laughs> so, or did he just not have the correct point of view? <laughs> so what, one thing I'm a little sad about is that we never made it to Sinport. I know that was the original destination. That was, for... the, that we was the original it. trip. Yep. 100% what we were going to do. That was that's Calamity's place, right? The only place where there's a temple to Calamity. Yep. Mm-hmm. I need to end up there sometime. Um, and then, so as I say, I was I was a little sad that you guys left Carthel so quickly because of Nithis's vision. Um, but what I also... Well, that was when she saw the woman on the beach get killed and then, like, she created oh. a storm. Yeah. Back when she had storm powers. Uh, oh, but then we got to meet my mom and dad. Yeah. But mm-hmm. I, I really, I, I was sad. I put a lot of work into the Indros crime family. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, a lot of you know, like I like I came up with uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve Indroses for you guys to interact with. <laughs> wow, I like them a lot. I would have spent a lot more time with them had. And- and so it's not been like we got leave. 88 very briefly becoming a pit fighter to get that golem back was uh, one of my favorite 88 moments because he seemed so it just was so antithetical to him and like he was doing it very reluctantly and i love i love the fact that he didn't relish in it at all he's just like i'm gonna get, i'm gonna do this thing to rescue this golem and like i'm gonna get out and people were like yeah and you're like and Crackjaw's like, come back in three days for another fight. And then they all decided they would rather not. <laughs> Chill out. No, thank you. I love 88 reading the, the fucking titles of the prior campaign. Every time it happened, I was delighted. I tell them the all stories. over again. I know, me too. Uh, it was so great. When so, I was dead and you were reading that to me, it warmed my heart. Uh, something, Even something, though I was a pile of ice. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, it was something I was not expecting to happen this campaign, but Gwen's character brought it in. Was like I was like I was like the Fleming Ox group would probably be pretty forgotten, and then Gwen's like, no, we <laughs> we follow them very religiously and know them very well. I'm like, oh, okay, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> it makes but, sense. Yeah, yeah uh, big thing was tied to them. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. You know, it made it made a perfect sense. It was not. Uh, yeah, if it, if it didn't make sense, I would have mixed it. But I was like, no, that makes sense. I, I could see that. <laughs> I mean, we don't know the the canonical story, so I imagine it's changed quite a bit over eight hundred years. But oh yeah, yeah, we, we and, we've got the the unofficial written by the forgotten bard. Yeah, <laughs> well, you know, it's been translated. It's been you know mm-hmm. passed down. I'm sure there's been revisions made. Every been... once in a while, the gods poke things in directions that make her look better. <laughs> <laughs> um let's see yeah els bexels i loved how much you hated els bexel um and i was like but i was also like you're never going to get back to new haven to have that final els bexel thing so i was like <laughs> when you when you sick the authorities and i'm like yeah let's just say that that did it <laughs> <laughs> that was enough he was a traitor so you got everything taken away from him <laughs> yes Eventually, someday, Chris and I will do a one shot, and it's Ailes Bechel's daughter going after me for some weird reason. Mm. <laughs> like a Kill Bill esque campaign. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, Bryn, Bryn Corther is already dead. <laughs> yeah. Bring her Bryn back and Corther. kill her again. Have you well, Brindley, oh. her middle name was Nadine after the Queen. Mm. from the first campaign oh okay okay nice that's great easter egg (laughs) easter egg i like it well i really i did really enjoy all the world building you all did for me uh for example matthew was the came up with all of vodka um uh, all of the dragon shadow uh was done by gwen Um, so I, i very much appreciate that uh that's fun yeah. I didn't do anything, but I did a lot last campaign. It's yeah. true. <laughs> and I really haven't done much either campaign. I can't be trusted. <laughs> I get too distracted. Oh, did, uh, well, did you do like the whole uh, monsters coming through that portal in the second campaign? Or was that Chris? No, that was all her. That was all, that was all Caitlin. Yeah. Oh, yeah, good. I did do all. Yeah. I, I came so up with them. And, you know, you only, you only fundamentally changed how the afterlife works. You know, no big. Yeah, you know. That's true. Campaign that. two was a big one for me. Uh, but also, so, yeah, the Micaiah, like, so that was the thing, like, um, uh, so most people when you die, you go to the deity of your choice as per uh, Amani's wish, but people that were killed uh, via Micaiah's weapons were sent to the Shadowfell, which is why Gwen went to the Shadowfell instead of going to hang out with Chadwick. So. Mm, okay, makes sense. Well, did you have a plan if I took the deal? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you'd take the deal, you'd be back, you would have become a villain that the characters you know, would have run into. So You'd have been evil. <laughs> that's the plan I strongly considered it <laughs> i thought that would be i neat. was trying so hard not to do stuff that got us wound back on the calamity plane just to see more of it <laughs> <laughs> fair enough do you do i you really wanted to get into the vip area yeah. <laughs> do you do you have a um a plan for Matthias uh <laughs> get destroyed <laughs> 
We all no, hope. he yeah, you know, everyone, you know, every story needs villains. I don't think he's going anywhere. <laughs> oh, I I've been what what powers did Enigma get from the Godheart? Uh mm-hmm. like just generic. He's a little more powerful than he was before. Like nothing bad, nothing that's gonna Okay. Um also I don't know, I kind of re- that's something I should have asked you about between weeks. Um I actually just forgot about it until you were talking about your impact on the world. And I was like, oh yeah, you created the, the uh, flame wings. Uh, oh, yeah. uh, you know, Nithis did have that standing offer to go oh, yeah. join them. I'm curious if that's something that this would take them up on. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, I completely forgot about that. Yeah. Oh, you I could turn you my will. dust manor into like a central area that they could go through and like people can stay in the extra rooms when they're coming in and out. I'll, and I'll be right like back. That. I gotta run to the restroom. Yeah, I think that something that Nithis wanted to do was um like maybe not like reinvigorate the Drith area, but put more into that. Because mm-hmm. she kind of hates all empires like in general now in a very big way. Yeah. And just like, yeah, someplace away from Maybe things with unbridled political power. What? Yeah. <laughs> Why would you Never do that? <laughs> it sounds cool to me. <laughs> oh, excuse me. Oh, gosh. <clears throat> Did any of you end up doing something different with your character than you thought when you started? things out yeah <laughs> i totally was gonna try and play a serious character because of course i was <laughs> and of course it it also did not work at all <laughs> i feel like Nithis was very serious yeah just like i i wanted her to be more silent and more serious in in that sort of reserved military way and that lasted like an episode and a half oh, yeah. if that <laughs> if that <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Caitlin's nature came through. Yeah, it's not worth it to try and fight against <laughs> too much. Small details, not a whole personality shift, because I am not capable. I am not <laughs> Not an actor in any way. I was very happy that you guys were able to get Wen back for me. Yes. <laughs> it was a lot of fun. Yeah. I'm glad we got to do that too. Which which one was a lot of fun? To get one back. Mm. Yeah. I had honestly forgotten about Ukraine. <laughs> Me too. I forget what it was that we didn't like about him. Uh, he was, was just something... very in- he was very intense and very focused on killing Micaiah's people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think he might have punisher. been a little bit too like black and white for us. Yeah. Well, and I think that was the that was the problem with him as I conceived of him that he was going to take some time to (laughs) essentially work through his trauma and open up but (laughs) we were like no yeah I think (laughs) nobody wanted nobody wanted to take that time (laughs) he felt very much like your reaction to Micaiah's killing you (laughs) Mm -hmm. like you're just like Micaiah's killed my character I'm going to make a character that's going to kill Micaiah's (laughs) I think. I what think if we had kept him around and just like killed Micaiah? This is. I think that's a lot straighter line than uh, we would have been even come 
and been able to ever come close close to. <laughs> but like I said, the world needs villains, and I, you know, sorry, Macias is too effective of a villain for me to kill him off. <laughs> yeah. Well, not only like as a villain by himself, but he's like a villain generator. Like, yeah, he makes villains. the villains and spits them out into mm-hmm. your world. Because I, I, as I'm and talking- like, who does Chris not know that wants to fight people who follow a a capitalist deity? <laughs> capital god i think it's very i think it's very telling of the company i keep that the god that you've reacted to the most strongly is the god essentially of unfettered capitalists yeah (laughs) um we're like oh no they gotta die yeah as i was mentioning earlier i was i've been trying like so i reconceived all my gods and i tried to get i removed the idea of alignment from them uh i would say though that machias is the closest thing i have to just a straight up evil god <laughs> like mm-hmm. yeah um but uh and, and that's kind of what that's kind of one of the fun parts of it too though is that like i think the reason everybody had problems with Wu is he was a fanatic mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. you know and that that can go you know okay or very very badly no it can never go okay fanaticism is always awful no matter what well, no, i mean if you're from. if you're if you back out of it and and it's let not go what anymore. you know of what caused it so yeah but then you have to be like are we gonna hang out with a fanatic for the next <laughs> 40 episodes <laughs> and then <laughs> yeah and that's and that's mostly my fault is i should have softened him quicker what are you going to do? Yeah, you live yeah no, it's that way. It's <laughs> you live and you learn. You get, you Sometimes get you give the bad guy, you know, a stun attack. And then... Um, yeah. <laughs> um, I, so, Chris, you're so into, like, the stun attack. But we fought, um, what's his name? Narasana's dad. And we all got stunned that one, yeah. too. <laughs> Nearly yeah. all died. Yep. That was stuff. also a very difficult fight. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, but stars. then the flip side is he also put one it was mid-campaign where we managed to hold monster on that guy and Chris was just like yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. killed um, you. What's but his it's name? just like child's play. Uh brother Darby. Oh is that God. who it was? Yeah. Yeah. He was like an angel or something, right? Yeah, yeah. it was yeah. uh um Barakas's ex-friend. Well, and then there was also the um yeah, and then there was the angel that was like, oh, this will be a challenging fight. And then it was like, that waterboarding? You stumped that angel. No, it was the oh, one where you're just like banished. I was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> it was the first time you guys had gotten fourth level spells. And so. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, bro- uh, what's his name? Not Brother Darby. Uh, yeah, the guy from my backstory. Oh, whose hand we cut off, I think. No, the guy whose tongue we cut off was a different guy. Oh. <laughs> we cut out someone's tongue? Yeah. 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 Back in campaign one. And then burned him to death. <laughs> this was a calamity we in Veracast adventure. much more evil. <laughs> well, we had... He was the guy who started our tongue collection. Remember that? Yes. Yeah. Jesus <laughs> Christ, we did have a tongue collection. Didn't we? <laughs> <laughs> wow. Every once in a while, like, it just gets in my head. Like, so I got the idea it, 
retrospect, like having been like crawling in my head from like a um, series, what a series where they had like powers over different elements and um, it wasn't as weird as it was when I did it. Like I brought that water over the um, angel guy from uh, his, his head and Matt's like, you're waterboarding a dude. I'm like, oh no. Because <laughs> it was not at all like that in the scene that gave me the idea to do it. I'm like, oh no. And every once in a while, I'm just like, remember the time, Amanda Burke, when you casually waterboarded a dude? <laughs> you just casually decided to waterboard somebody. And like, was it in character or is that just you as a human being just casually waterboarding people? <laughs> I think it was a character. It's something that has haunted me for a while. And <laughs> <laughs> you waterboarded somebody. I, I and then I can give you that. the answer so you waterboarded them a little more. <laughs> uh, oh, uh, Veracast and Calamity. God, that was really. Yeah, it's such wonderful adventures. Oh, boy. <laughs> No. I was I was very, I was telling Chris the other day I was very annoyed at uh, Tricolor because they were sending like a fruit basket to somebody and I'm like that's our thing you're doing <laughs> my thing how dare you mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, well any other final thoughts or questions on the campaign yes I'm sure there's a bunch. <laughs> Not that I could th- think of off the top of my head. Yeah. <laughs> hmm. But yeah, stun attacks, man. Yeah, the stun attack in atta- that creature um, targets intelligence, which is like everybody's dump stat, unless you're a wizard. So use <laughs> uh, sparingly. God. I have a pretty good intelligence. Yeah, that's why you were. That's why you're. That's why you're <laughs> sacrificed. Oh, what? That's why you lived. Why so you lived. did. <laughs> Uh, you said you based Keth on an mo- existing monster. What monster? Oh, yeah. oh uh, it's a, a Dern, D-I-R-R-N, I think it is, D-Y-R-R-N. Uh, it's is that a, something out of a new book? Um, let me see what source it is. Um, it's an Illithid, uh, CR-24. Yeah, I, I, I toned it down a little bit, but not enough, obviously. Um, Seems like it'd be something out of the um, Spelljammer book, but I don't know. That's right what here. I thought was going to happen. It's silly. I thought like a Nautiloid ship was going to appear in the sky. <laughs> uh, it's from Eberron. Oh, it's from okay. Eberron. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so it had um, so a Dern. It's a legendary creature as a layer. Um, I, obviously, I dropped the layer actions. I think I thought those were going to be overkill. Um, yeah, it has it, it has extract brain, which I reflavored as explode brain. It had. Um, uh-huh. Corruption, which uh, I reflavored as kind of the uh, diametrically opposed, uh, you know, elements mm. that made Kyrax such a terrible idea. And then mm-hmm. Tentacle Whip, I replaced as a Psychic Whip. Uh, I dropped it some Magical Resistance. I dropped its Regeneration. Um, so, yeah, it was, uh, and but even without all that stuff, it was still pretty goddamn hard so yeah that fight I, I was like i'm destroying like 
friends destroying as hard as you can trying to like get stuff done and then it got to a certain point and I'm like nobody else has saved <laughs> I'm like and I've gotten myself into this point where she's following me everywhere trying to kill me and I'm like I'm the only way out like how is this gonna end up like I've already made, made my bed but I'm the only way out <laughs> I, I, I did like you taunting her uh, to get her to focus on you. That was a galaxy brain move to give your opponent your companions time. Mm-hmm. In hindsight, I also should have lowered the DC of her saving throws. Uh, but, you know, you live, you learn, you get loves. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I, I know that it was extremely concerning at the time, but I thought it was a great fight. Yeah. Oh, I was, yeah. It, I was on the edge of my fucking seat. Because I, I really did, based on our history... I thought we were gonna roll in, fuck her shit up, and leave. Like, oh <laughs> yeah. Like, so I was thinking, I'm like, we've just been fucking shit up like this entire campaign, like, yeah. This third campaign, like we've um, never faced anything super hard. Mm-hmm. So, Not in a big way. We faced a lot of yeah. sneaky, a lot of you know people coming at us from behind, but like straight on fights that could kill us flat out. Mm-hmm. We've kind of gotten really lucky. I feel yeah. like. So, um, gosh, I forgot to say about Keth. Uh, so she, um, okay, so another thing uh, I used more judiciously this campaign that you may have noticed uh, is there is a spell called uh, Nistel's False Aura. Um, it lets you make things that are, uh, are magical appear non-magical, or it makes you, your alignment appear differently. And if you cast it 30 days in a row, it becomes permanent. Oh. Um, uh, I, it was one of those things where I, I love the spell and it's like, you know, these guys have played two campaigns before. I'm going to make things a little bit harder, uh, which is why you didn't detect the black hole uh, is because of oh, yeah. Nistel's Valsora. Um, it's like, how would a dragon hide their stash? You know, put it on a dark ceiling, portable hole, they make the portable hole not magical so it doesn't stick out to detect magic and almost nobody will find it because who's going to look at the ceiling? Uh, mm-hmm. Um bunch of flying assholes <laughs> well and you guys almost didn't catch it too that was i was really not to pat myself too hard on the back but that was i was actually i was i was really pleased with how all that like i was didn't like 88 just happen to roll a 30 on his perception you check? A, yeah natural 20 yeah. and that's the only yeah. way you can, um yeah and even then i was begrudging i was like ah, with that roll though he would have some <laughs> uh that's um, great but uh, so you notice when you fought Keth, she didn't have anything on her. Mm-hmm. Just the cubic gate and her barrier tattoo. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's because she went there no, intending to die. Like that was, that was part of her plan to get to the heart was to convince you that she was dead. Um, bit. It worked. The, the cubic gate uh, actually functioned as a spy device for her. It let her see no. anything that you guys were doing. Um, we were uh, so happy with our new toy yeah um and so i there was like i think one of the episodes i ended with like a little cliffhanger epilogue where like it was like somebody was watching you from a scrying font and you couldn't see who but they were like oh it's all going according to plan uh that was ken um (laughs) yeah i remember that um because uh basically yeah she's like I'm going to give them something valuable enough that they're not, they're going to keep it on their person that they're not going to get rid of that, you know, would be useful to them. Uh, and then it'll let me see everything you're doing. So that's how she found your cousin 
was because you were there with the cubic gate talking to him. And so then she uh-huh. was able to follow behind and, and, and also the property, like, so here's the thing. So property rights apparently can have a magical effect on vampire. So I'm like, okay, so ma- property rights can also have a magical effect on <laughs> cats. Oh yeah. <laughs> the idea of like who owns a piece of land, which is such a bullshit, like <laughs> it's such a bullshit concept, but like, it's like, it's a key part of vampires and their weakness. So <laughs> why not others? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. Um, oh, also. Uh, so anyway, so yeah. So Kath, Kath went to you guys intending for you to kill her, which is why it seemed like that fight was pretty easy is because it was. Yeah. I was like, that bothered me for a long time. How easy <laughs> that was. Um, yeah. And and I, I forgot. <laughs> and, yeah, I know that didn't help. Like we had a lot of long gaps in there. Um, I think that was actually two sessions before we had like the big like uh october to january gap or whatever so yeah. oh yeah mm-hmm. um but yeah I, I i was hoping that you would feel like it was too easy uh because it was uh, and so <laughs> well, yeah that's I, the whole thing that bothered me about that fucking heart stabbing it with that sword and i kept being like are we, is this really what we're doing we're just trying to go in and stab and i'm like yeah that's, that's what we gotta do and i'm like that's what the picture sure. said we should do. <laughs> I'm like, that yeah, seems way too easy. <laughs> it seems like we're being set up for something. Um, also, you when you were attacking yeah. attacking the heart at the end of it, that wouldn't have killed it. Only taking its power would have killed it. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, the uh, fact that the Kinderheart exploded next to it did do it some damage, but that's because it was an artifact filled with untold magical power. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, okay, so it was Keth, and what was the other one I was just going to tell you about? Um, oh, crap. I had, I had a thought. Uh, there was another kind of baddie who was doing some weird stuff. Uh, crap. I lost my train of thought on that. But um, Name baddies. But, but, but yeah, but yeah, so Keth, yeah, Keth was definitely... Definitely playing you all to watch you all. Um. Is Mara dead? <laughs> yeah, did Mara actually kill all the clones? Mara did kill all the clones, yes. So did she uh, die? Uh, she did not die. Yeah, it seems like being dead is not really what the uh, wouldn't do mommy dearest and age. <laughs> yeah. um, I, I, I have an idea of what she gave up, but I also kind of wanted it to be like the... Um, the uh, suitcase in Pulp Fiction where you kind of see like a glow coming from it, but you're not sure what's in there. Um, <laughs> she so. gave up a MacGuffin. Um, so I'm going to keep that one under the hat. <laughs> I think it's cooler if I don't explain it. In another campaign year, she's still hanging around. <laughs> um, what would have happened if we had fucked around one more day? The god, the two gods would have come back. <laughs> well, we have what is that like? What's that? Ants? No, Keth would not have been a god. Uh, she was basically, so basically, you know, she was going to have to put the last of the power she took in there to finish it. Um, okay. So uh, would she have died and the gods would have been there? Themselves? Uh, pro- I imagine there would be a holy war. Uh, I don't think the yeah. two old gods would appreciate the new gods. Um, so it would not have been a great ending. Sorry. <laughs> so, Hello. but. Hello. Um, I would have fought them and won. Just <laughs> and my friend the Cobalt and Kyle. Um, 
I also, um, Lucia, I intended from the beginning to be an ally. Um, yeah. I, cause I, I wanted like an, an inverse Miria Felker in this campaign. <laughs> so fucking okay, Miria Felker. I'm so, so mad that I saw that he was being what's his face. I'm like, no, it's fine. <laughs> somebody who's somebody who like you know like a, a like a typical monster who you know you have all right to be suspicious of but who is actually true to their word so i like having her because i was able to like spill some brinley stuff and so the other people would hear it and hopefully not think i was just being an asshole but yeah. also not tell them straightforward yeah i did i, I promise not to tell them. I did really like the connection that Lucia and uh, Brandon developed. That was one of my favorite late game uh, relationships. Um, but yeah, so yeah, Lucia was just, uh, yeah, I was like, I also thought it was just an interesting, I, don't know, I, I really liked the moral conundrum, right? Of, of somebody who is trying to, who has to live off the blood of living creatures, but is trying to do it in the most humane way they can think of, but it's still not great. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, that was an interesting conundrum for sure. Yeah, and I really liked how, I, I really I really appreciated how seriously y'all took that conundrum rather than just hand-waving it right away. Yeah, yeah, I couldn't do that. So I think we were more- I remember at first being like, oh, I don't know if somebody's gonna like this. And then I died and I'm like, this one's. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, neutral bitches. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, Oh, and um, uh, because I can't help myself but give like weird places backstories, um, the God's heart is what made the haunted woods the haunted woods. Oh, I, I, that's I interesting. I couldn't think of a way to like. I couldn't think of a good way to like organically reveal that in the campaign without you guys like kind of self-starting your own research into it. But um, yeah, that was definitely my intent was that that's uh, interesting i like that a lot well and the reason that like all those creatures all those people you fought when you reclaimed dusk manor were monsters is because of that sort of influence of the heart on them while they're in stasis over you know the thousand okay. years or whatever it had been so they was there a um um in the haunted forest was there like some kind of a big bad or something, but or was it just uh, all the heart? I mean, if you guys are just draped around it, there's there's a bunch of monsters in there, but um, I mean, the big bad of it was the heart, um, <laughs> and then also the you know fact that the uh, town had a vampire. Fun fact: uh, Drith um, had a vampire in it uh, in a one shot that I ran with um, Amanda and uh, uh, Audrey. Was Neil and was Shaman that one? me or you were there no, it was, no, yeah. Yeah. yeah oh my god the fucking book that you gave <laughs> yeah. jesus christ the what um, um neil's character had this book and it was like it was before trump's election so it was funny that it was a trump book at the time in retrospect <laughs> <laughs> not as funny <laughs> Like he found no. an evil tome, and like the reveal was that it was like the art of the deal. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> kind of That's worshippers. Funny. Yeah. Um, uh, what was the what was the the thing in, in Drith that we never investigated? It was like there were two Wainwrights or something. 
Oh, oh yeah. Uh, God, yeah. I was really hoping you guys would stumble into that story. So some of um some of uh Lucia's children are naughty uh and are fucking around with people's memories out of like uh-huh. ennui. That's one of the moments I've been most proud of myself as a player. Being like, wait, wasn't yeah. what's her face's mother <laughs> the Wayne ride? Yeah, I was hoping you guys would pick dude. that back up. Yeah, like um, and it probably would have led to like Lucia killing those two kids or whatever, you know. <laughs> but like uh, but yeah, like essentially, essentially like we never got much into her children brood, but like um there there was definitely like better ones into those that were more kind of typical vampire-y ones and ones that were ones that were like feeling like ennui at being stuck in this small Milwaukee uh fantasy town. Um <laughs> I made uh, friends with some of them off screen and made them haunt 88. So one of the ones that was affecting the memories of the townspeople is probably the same one that was doing the uh, the haunting. Yeah. <laughs> God, I, all right. I take everything back. My favorite part of this campaign was Brinley's, Brinley's plan to haunt you guys. Oh my I, God. When she told me about that through Messenger, I was cackling with delight at it. Me too. <laughs> Oh yeah, I had told Caitlin and Chris like immediately. I'm like, I'm haunting your asses. Like as soon as you're like, no, like even before I killed, um, it was like immediately, and then your family disappeared. And I'm like, maybe we should wait a couple episodes for this family. Just it's like I'm still gonna haunt so them, gonna but I'm gonna wait it. a respectful period of mourning before I haunt them. <laughs> I'm like, no, I'm I'm haunting their asses. She was so mad. It was so bad. I was so angry. Like I'm like, I'm just like, no, I'm like, no, she's she's just so fucking best. It's great, so oh, great. Matt, I'm curious for for uh, 88. Um, him deciding to leave the group uh, was that you just kind of in preparation of the end game, or was that like? If the if the story had continued on past this arc a little ways, would you still have left? See, that was it was a very spur of the moment thing. Yeah. Uh, after we had that that <laughs> argument, um, but I, it just it felt like the right thing for him to decide in that moment. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, <laughs> I didn't want to say anything. Uh, in in the last episode where idiot just went out to the forge and blair was like oh i know you and master and master uh bryn were close i, I almost wanted to say not that close at the end there 88 yeah. did not like bryn yeah, yeah. well it's um, which i i knew obviously but master uh blair was a little oblivious he just knew that when you guys first arrived that you guys were very close and he maybe oh yeah 88 loved brindley yeah but <laughs> Bryn was another Bryn was a problem and um yeah. well and i mean immediately after that episode we found out about the kinderheart like there wasn't that mm-hmm. was it right yeah. yeah we had that episode and immediately after we yeah well like, 88 when, when he said that to myth is like you know after when this is done i'm doing my own thing um that was him assuming that this was the, the prophecy was real that they mm-hmm, were going mm-hmm. to get the ring stab the heart and that was going to be the end of it and he was going to be like okay we we did the thing we saved the world i've got you know something else i need to do and it involves being away from you people yes. <laughs> so <laughs>
Yeah. I remember Chris and I were talking and I was like, I, everyone hates me. <laughs> and he's like, well, I think I got something that might help this. And then it was like the contract reveal. And I'm like, nah, still bitch. <laughs> <laughs> and so, like, the first session immediately was like, so like the second time you killed her. And I'm like, no, that was just me. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. This is this is me laughing in Rangram. Yeah, <laughs> uh, wow. it was a great reveal. I can't believe you pulled it off that long. I know. Honestly. I was <laughs> so thrilled because I was so mad. I wasn't mad, but I was like, I should be so mad, but I'm so thrilled about it. Well, thanks. I I <laughs> I it was a big leap and I was like if this works it'll be great and if it doesn't work well it'll still be interesting uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> but and I did actually I mean literally the, the day I introduced the Kinderheart, like that first session I in my head I had this idea of Gwyn have like being tricked into stabbing the heart and his uh, family sword exploding like that was a moment I was working toward from that moment <laughs> um, wow. I was very surprised by that part <laughs> um yeah and so the like the quatrains that like fruit like which was probably unnecessary but like it was like a parlor trick that kinderheart was doing to try to prove that like this prophecy was true with like mm-hmm. but it was all stuff that had picked up from reading your mind and like going through your memories <laughs> yeah god um, <laughs> so Oh, the people! So they all died. Did they just like all kill themselves? They realize they've been tricked forever by that Kinderheart. No, the Kinderheart told them to. Oh, okay. <clears throat> the Kinderheart basically, it's it's like it didn't want them to tell the truth about it because you know once it left, you know, yeah, they'd be out uh, of it. Um, just give it a few. Well, it, it would have been permanent because you know they heard that because Gwen actually played the music for them mm-hmm. uh, right okay, before he left, okay. but. Uh, huh. Yeah, the Kinderheart doesn't like loose ends, so uh, the Kinderheart's <laughs> just basically like once they go. And also, I thought it'd be a good um, meta gaming. I thought it'd be a good thirty day checkpoint uh, to have Lanith go back uh, and find them, and then kind of put some more suspicion on what's actually happening. Um, but you, it had to happen. Well, like, it has nothing really well. to do with that violin you picked up. But definitely <laughs> got some weird shit going on that we've known from the beginning, and when that tree didn't like it and died. <laughs> I was worried too because I made a big point of the antiquarian talking about how powerful this device was, and then I was like, "Hey, it doubles your performance," and that's it. <laughs> I was worried. I was like, I was also, and I was like, "This could be a clue," but also maybe it'll just they won't look too much into it. Um, <laughs> But like, I also was like the antiquarian having you go search for this thing and then like handing it right back. I also was like, this could be a clue that you yeah, know, that was sus as hell. And then was yeah. like, was that was nah. that the Kinderheart tricking her into giving it back, or was, it, she, was she just scared of it and wanted to get rid of? No, her? no, she the Kinderheart forced her to give it to Gwen. Oh. Um, now at that point, the Kinderheart hadn't met Keth. It was just like, it was just like, hey, this person you know is small enough to play me. It seems interesting. I'm gonna. <laughs> see what happens i remember being jelly i'm like oh, i'm the canonical violinist i want the evil instrument <laughs> i mean if small-ish if only you'd been a small-sized creature it could have been you no. <laughs> <laughs> when did kath meet the kinder heart 
um when, me, uh, when um when it would have been my house uh the, so the kinderheart um uh when you guys fought her you had the kinderheart on you um yeah. and then um and then yeah afterwards um as she was spying on you she kind of she saw you know the kinderheart influencing gwyn in 88 and came to investigate so hmm. fucking nuts i remember just randomly just popped in my head one of the wa- wallace things that i was not prepared for was when we we're going after that one matthias was matthias worshiper and i went to um Faye teleport into their room. And it was <laughs> and consecrated. Just yeah. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> like a bird into the window. Oh, it was... Bird into the window. God, I try so really hard to make sure little details like that exist. <laughs> so I'm glad you appreciated that. <laughs> I did. That was and then I had to like walk up the stairs into the flight. Because <laughs> everyone else was just around the other side of the door. <laughs> I'm sad that we never got, I'm sad that we only got to see a little bit of the junk punks, the, the, gear, <laughs> the gearhead oh goblins gosh. that lived in the Carthel dump. <laughs> Those guys. <laughs> the junk punks. Mm-hmm. I just want like a mini series <laughs> that is just Cliff versus the junk punks. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds great, actually. Yeah. <laughs> he like teams up with an ex junk punk. Go in and overthrow everything. <laughs> That's great. Uh, now you're making it too interesting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, my food is just about to arrive. So I think I'm going to go eat some dinner. And, um, but thank you all. Uh, this is a wonderful campaign and a wonderful seven years. Uh, it's been some of the most rewarding and fun things of my life. So yeah. I love Bye. you all. Love you guys. See you all again. Maybe sometime or never. See each other again. (laughs) Night. All right, listen here, Puddle. We will see you. I know, Puddle. (laughs) (laughs) You've got a wedding coming up, don't you? Yeah, that's true. All right. Did you guys get the same of the dates?